get back here into Romans 7 and uh, finish up the chapter this morning, hopefully, and uh, maybe say a few things on chapter 8 to get us started for uh, next week. But uh, right now, I'm just trying to get this microphone. There we go. All right, Romans 7. Start reading, if you will, with me in verse 22. Let's just kind of catch this here. Oh, man, just kind of jumping in, aren't we? Um, Verse 22, For I delight in the law of God after the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. And uh, we've, we've read that, uh, and uh, we've been kind of really talking about all of this, about the issue of us back up in verse number 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. And one of the, the things that we're learning, we learn in chapter 6, we're dead to sin, our relationship to sin is one of a dead relationship. Because sin is still here. It's still there. It's still resident in us. In chapter 7, I'm dead to the law. My relationship to the law of God is a dead relationship. And the law issue here, the thing that governs power over you, controls you, rules you, we're, I'm dead to that. Uh, the law of God is specifically, by the way, in verse 22 and following there, uh, into chapter 8, there's like five or six different laws here. So whenever you read that word law, you have to allow the context to tell you which one he's talking about. Because obviously the law of God, that's God's moral law. That'll be the Ten Commandments. And then you have there in verse, uh, well, verse 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, there's the law of indwelling sin. Verse 23, I see a, another law in my members warring against, so there's the indwelling issue. Verse 23, you have a law of my mind, then you have a law of sin. Well, the law of my mind and the law of sin, that's not the law of God. See, so you've got to kind of break these things out a little bit in our thinking. And, and again, I, we, we got down to, I think, verse 22, where, about that inward man. Because when we talk about the inward man, you begin to talk about how God made man kind. This is Paul. He's using a very personal experience of his own. It has to do back up there in verse 7 about where he says, uh, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. And we talked about that last time. That Paul, very specifically here, using a very... Could you imagine one of your personal issues written in the Word of God for all time? (laughs) Paul did. Paul's was. And it was the issue of lust and covetousness. And we look back over at the issues that Paul had when it came to necessity needs. and, And how it was very natural for him to gravitate to, like the church at Corinth there, they had, he didn't. And to have, and for that to creep in, he so he he says there, you know, hey, 
the law said thou shalt not covet, verse 8, but sin taking occasion by the commandment. Sin didn't care what the law said. Sin still was there, and it still did. But the law said what? Don't do it, right? Thou shalt not. Sin said, yeah, do it. It's okay. See, so he's got this battle going on. Verse 9, for I was alive without the law once. So obviously Paul did live, not, he, obviously Paul did not live in a consistent covetousness nature. That he did start out living as who he is in Christ and doing, but then the details of life kind of crept in and you take your eye off of who you are in Christ and you come looking at something else and sin takes an occasion. Verse 11, what did it do? It deceived me and by it slew me. They made a deception that, hey, I can restrain this sin issue in my life. I can do it in the power of my own, the energy of my own flesh. It deceived me to thinking I could do it. You can do it. So what did it do? It slew me. The result of it is death. Because guess what? You can't do it. And that's the point here. And again, chapter 7 is dealing with uh, that issue at the end of verse 6 there about the oldness of the letter. What, it, what does it look like to live under the law? Why do you think in Galat the book of Galatians, six chapters, that he goes after them for mixing law and grace? Why? Because what does law do to you? The result of living under the law is verse 24, O wretched man that I am. Frustration. So in verse 22 now, the inward man, what he's going to do is this is in everybody. This isn't just, he's talking to believers, chapter 7. But, there's, but in everyone, there's an issue here of this inward man. And when you think about the inward man, by the way, if you look there at verse 23, but I see another law in my what? In my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. Verse 17 up there, where we looked last time, sin that dwelleth where? In me. Verse uh, 18, uh, in my flesh. Verse 20, sin dwelleth in me. So there's an issue here about the, the makeup of man. Now, come over with me, if you will. Um, by the way, if you look there at verse 25, uh, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice there's a period there. Who's going to deliver him from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our, uh, through Jesus Christ our Lord, period. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of the sin. That's not a good thing. When he says in verse 22, I delight in the law of God, that is not a good thing. Because the law of God is a reference to the moral law, the Ten Commandments, Mosaic Law. Well, what does that principle say? If you perform, then you get the blessing. It's a covenant relationship. It's a conditional relationship. So when he says this, I know everybody says, hey, it's good, woohoo, delight in the law. No, this is a bad thing, see. The result is verse 24. The conclusion is, I'm, oh, wretched man. I've been, Paul says, look, and I've been trying... I was doing something, the law came in and said, it's a thou shalt not, and I'm trying to do this, and all it's doing is leading me to frustration and death. See, by the way, it's functional death is what we're talking about here, because you're 
you're, you are justified, so you're set. Now it's your function, how are your, your functionality. There's five deaths in the Bible, in Scripture. One, spiritual death, that's our justification took care of that. Now we're learning about our functional side. There's functional death here. Paul's talking about the makeup of mankind. All of man is made this way. I will show you some things here because a lost man, guess what he can do? He can delight in the law of God. Now I know that that's a foreign idea, but if you look at verse 22, and we're going to run some verses here, guess what we're going to find out? That even the lost can delight in the law of God. See, so it's not so much a, a lost against saved. It's rather when you operate, when you walk under the law, when we try to do, when we try to serve God in our own capacities, that's where sin is going to deceive you. That's where sin's going to come up and, sl- and slay you. And, it, and, and this is in all of mankind, that nature. Come over with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I'm going to do this hopefully quickly. Several years ago, 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we did a study here called The Real You. You remember that, I hope? And the makeup of man. Verse 23, uh, and, and, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and that's W-H, so it's the whole of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. So man is made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? You remember that, I hope. Okay, and I hope I'm pulling on your memory, and if you didn't, there's 14 or 15 or 18 weeks of study on it. 80 weeks, not 80 weeks, but there's like 15 or study, hours of study on this. But when, when you think about the spirit, your soul, and your body. Now, for an unsaved person, your spirit is darkened. I'm sorry, it's not darkened. Just a minute. Never mind. It's dead. Your soul is darkened, and your body is depraved. That's the unsaved, okay? As a saved person, your spirit is what? Alive. Your soul, alive. Your soul, if it's darkened, now you have light. If you're depraved, now it's usable. Okay? That's your makeup. Everybody in your spirit the spirit of your mind, we've seen that, right? You guys okay out there? Just checking. You're listening good, all right. So in your spirit, you have mind. In your soul, you, it, Paul talks over there in Philippians 4 that the, that the peace of God will keep your hearts and minds. Those aren't the same thing. They're makeups. They're d- d- this... These two right here make up your inner 
man, inward man, okay? This, by the way, is you, the real you. In your mind, you can think, can't you? You have your heart. By the way, that's a thinking capacity as well. You have a will. You have emotions. You have a conscience. All makes up of you. You have memories. You have a vocabulary. It's what sits there. It sits in your mind. Okay? What happens is, is info flows into your mind, flows into your heart. With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Your heart tells your will, this is what we're going to do or not, to be or not to be, that is the question. Okay? Your will then tells your emotions how to respond. Your emotions move to your body and says, move. By the way, remember in 7, Paul talks about the motion of sin that's in your body. Your conscience looks at all of that and says it is in line with the information that you've stowed up inside of you. Their conscience is Romans 2, accusing or excusing them. Everybody's made up this way. That's the inward man. That's everybody, lost or saved. The info coming in can be word of God, can be human viewpoint, can be mom and dad, can be grandma, grandpa, can be whatever it is. It's going to flow. Follow the flow. That's what's happening here. That's what Paul's referencing, that as a believer, if you choose to walk under the law, that's the info you're putting in. This is how it's going to flow, okay? Now, come back to your, go back to Romans 7. So the inward man, when he says there in Romans 7, 20, Two, I delight in the law of the after the inward man. He's talking about this right here. That's what he's talking about. Okay? Make sure I didn't lose anybody, leave anything off of there. Uh, this is your vehicle. I didn't give you that, did I? That's the motion, the movement. This is called the body of flesh, the body of sin. Those titles, you've heard Paul talk about that, okay? It's interesting, though, in Romans 7, he says, inward man. Only time he ever really talks about an inner man, uses that term inner man, is when he's talking about you specifically as a believer. So there's a reference here to something. So you and I cannot really say that an unsaved person cannot delight in the law of God, because Paul is the prime illustration of it, okay? And there's something here in the core. Yes, sir? 
And they're still lost on their way to hell, yes. They're delighting in the law. Okay? Come over with me to Luke 18. I just I want you to think about this. And the reason I'm doing this is because of what's of who is coming in Romans 8. Okay? Paul is a prime illustration of this. We'll get over to Philippians here in just a minute. There's something in the core of mankind. Luke 18, did I tell you that? Okay. There's something in the core of mankind that's already there that drives man to a system of performance, of do, outwardly, outward activity, the law principle. He instilled it in Adam. In the nature of man when he created Adam. Do you know that when you think about mankind, they are prone to worship something, someone, something. Look at it. No matter what it is. College football. Roll Tide, right? College basketball. Pro game. Whatever. Doing nothing but sitting and looking at that. Did you guys see that big, beautiful moon the other night? The snow moon, they called it. Beautiful. It's just whatever, being out in nature, hiking, camping. People are prone to worship that and move. Why? Because it's stuff to do. To do what? To do. To go in. So there's an activity here. And, and God instilled in Adam, in humanity, in our DNA, this, this natural desire to want to worship and do. There's a, there's a, in the very basis core of it. Think about Paul. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, wasn't he? But yet he learned something, didn't he? He learned that what he loved, he loved more than he loved God. Until what happened? The road to Damascus happened. Acts 9. Think about Paul. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel, the preeminent teacher in his day. He went to the best schools. And you know what he found out? He found out that he loved the law more than he loved God until the road to Damascus where the, and the Lord stops him. Think about the, the inward man here. That invisible part of you that possesses the capacity to think, the mind, that can exercise the will and then have you go and do something. And you know what usually happens? Emotionally, you get what? Stressed out. Because <laughs> am I doing it? Did I do it right? You're always, that constant of flux is always there. You got Luke 18? Hold on this. Go back to Job. You, I, don't want the, I don't want this idea to get lost on you here as we finish out this stuff. Because when we get into Romans 8, Paul is going to say, you see all that in 7? Here's a new law, a new something to run you, a new governing system called grace, called the power sources in the Holy Spirit, see? But you've got to catch what he's doing here, uh, Roman, uh, Job 14. Job 14, look at verse 22. Job 14, 22. But his flesh upon him shall have pain. Don't we know what that feels like? Job talking pain. And his soul shall what? Mourn. But his soul is where? Within him. That inner part that come over to chapter 32. So that inward part here, that's what we're talking about. 
That's what Paul's talking about. That, that, that invisible, Job 32, that invisible aspect of you that causes, that, that gives you the capacity to think in your mind. It, it causes your heart and your will to go into action, and it causes your body to go move. Job 32, and look at verse 8. But there is a spirit in man. See how in one verse it's a soul within him, and now it's a spirit in him? So you've got those two components made up, make you up. Come over to chapter 38. Well, finish verse 8, because it's a great finish. And the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them, what? Understanding. The inspira- what would be the inspiration of the Almighty? His word. See. Where would he have the understanding? 32.8. In the spirit. In his, that inward, that invisible part. Look over at chapter 38 of Job. 38.36. I feel like Peyton Manny. 38.36. 38.36. Who hath put wisdom in the inward parts, or who hath given understanding to the heart? There it is, you see. You take Jeremiah, you're in Job. Look over at Jeremiah 30. Did I lose you? Well, get in the right book, brother. Jeremiah 31. Look at Jeremiah 31 with Hebrews 8. Jeremiah 31, 33. The, Old Testament, the New Testament and the Old Testament. Look at 38, I'm sorry, Jeremiah 31, 33. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their what? Inward part. You see that? And write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now come over to Hebrews 8, and watch how the writer of Hebrews says, Jeremiah 31, 33. Hebrews 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their what? Mine. 31, 33 said what? Inward parts. And write them in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So we're talking about, now go back to Luke 18. So we're talking about the makeup of man here. More than we're talking about lost and unsaved, this is just how man is made. You have an inward thing. Okay? Now, unsaved, you're dead. But you're dead in communicating to who? To God. Ephesians 2.1. And you who are dead in trespasses, he did what? Quickened you. He made you alive. So you're, you, you still have the, a spirit. You remember 1 Corinthians 2 when we go down through that passage there about the spirit of man? You didn't lose your spirit. Actually, in Ephesians 2, it calls it the spirit of the children of, disobe- of, of, of wrath and the children of disobedience. And there's a spirit there. You have a spirit. But now when you get saved and you become alive, now whose spirit do you have? Well, you have yours, but now you also, now you're going to have the Holy Spirit. And that's what Romans 8 is going to be about, see? Okay? Look at Luke 18. 
There's a part of man, man's makeup, the spiritual makeup, that causes us to naturally gravitate toward a system that's going to tell you what to do and what not to do. Okay? That's just the way man's made. Look at Luke 18 and look at verse 10. The Lord's speaking here, and he's using, uh, it's uh, verse 9, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. Okay? The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. <laughs> what do you think the Pharisee stuck on? Himself. And he says, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. What's he got? He's got the old religious tune going, doesn't he? Extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. You see, he's delighting in the law of God, isn't he? Actually, the Pharisees, and the, they actually like to add to the law of God. The traditions of the fathers. That's just not enough to go tithe. Now we got to go tithe on the, on the mint and the thyme and the little things. See, we just can't tithe on the gross or the net. We got to, by the way, they do tithe on both the gross and the net. But we got to come over here now and we're going to itemize, deduct it down to, down to the little mint leaves. He, this guy's delighting in the law of God. Now, watch the next guy, verse 13. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote himself his, upon his breath, breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a what? A sinner. So you got one guy who can't get out of his, his way following the law of God. You got another guy that's sitting over here, won't even look up because he knows he's a what? A sinner. Now watch the conclusion here. I tell you, verse 14, the Lord says, I tell you, this man went down to his house, what? Justified. Rather than the other. So who's the saved guy? Who's the justified guy? The publican who's, who's put himself where he belongs, but that Pharisee, that unsa the unjustified guy, what's he doing? He's delighting in the law of God, isn't he? That's a problem. That's the problem in living under the law principle is I, come back to Romans 7, I am doing this. Boy, Lord, when you got me, you got a good deal, you see. And what Paul is doing in Romans 7 is he's saying, wait a minute. Sin dwells in me. The problem isn't the law. The problem is me. I'm the sinner. I'm living by, I'm using the law here to do and to perform. And when I've tried to, perf that thing in verse 18 there, for to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good. I, I want to perform this. I'm doing. And what did, the, what did the law do? What did sin do? It's deceived him, and now it's going to kill him. And when you try to produce your own righteousness, your own standing before God, that Pharisee, Making the boast, I did it. I'll be able to keep up the law system. 
you know. That perfect, you know, God gave the law. It's that perfect right standing of his holiness, standard of his holiness. You want to see what his holiness is? Go, go read the law. The commandments that he gave to Moses. And you know what? Man has the audacity to think what? I can do this. I can be just like God. Didn't somebody else say that one time? Got himself in some big trouble, didn't he? Isaiah 14, Lucifer, I will be like. What's man doing? I will be like. What did Romans 1.25 tell us? Man's done what? They believe the lie. They're worshiping the creature more than the creator. I can do this. What did, what's Ephesians 2, 8, 9 say? For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's what? The gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should what? Boast. That's the system. Not, you look at verse 21. I find in a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. There's that movie out there, Resident Evil. It's a pretty good movie. Pretty vicious. Right up my alley. No, just kidding. I say that people on the, I get an email, boy, you really like them humdingers, you know, whatever happened to Dirty Harry? And I'm like, well, you know, he's lame, he, he's tame compared to some of this stuff out there. No, it's what, it's, it is, it's resident evil. Evil is present. You know what the flesh says? I can do it. The law says, yeah, no, you can't. Sin says, yes, I can. Law says, no, you're not. Yes, I am. Yeah, back and forth. And you know what grace says? It's already done for you. You're already doing that. Can't relax. It's in all of mankind. Come over to Philippians 3. There's a natural pull to do the very thing that the law says don't do. And you know what sin does? It takes the occasion to deceive you into thinking that what? You can do it. Or to say you can't do it, depending on what the rule is. You know what Grace says? I did it all for you. Would you just relax? It has no, We learned this in our justification, first five chapters. It isn't about you. The propitiatorial act there in Romans 3 has nothing to do for you. It has everything to do with the Son satisfying the justice of the Father. It has nothing. You get to participate in it unto all and upon all them that believe. God says, I'm, I did this. I did it all for you. Fall, come and let's operate in the grace operating system. Let's get into Romans 8. <laughs> let's skip 7 and go right to 8. You know, right? Get verse 4 and we know we're, we're not. No, you have to operate under the proper operating procedures. Notice Paul, Philippians 3. Verse 3, for we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit. Notice that issue about worship. It's very fascinating. This isn't the kumbaya seven, seven lines, seven times nonsense. They call it praise and worship music. This is real worship right here. And rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We have no confidence of the stuff in Romans 7. Notice verse Four, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Paul now is going to talk about his Jewishness. 
And Paul is now going to talk about his brag. He, he could brag. He could brag. He's not bragging here. Okay? Actually, Titus 3 says that stuff you did aforetime, you ought to be ashamed of that. Should be no bragging in your past life. You know, you hear people give testimonies of, oh, I was a drunkard, and I, you should not be bragging about that. That's not a good thing to brag about, nor is this. Notice what he says. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day. Well, look at that. That's exactly what the law says, isn't it? Exodus 12, go down there, circumcise them, the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, that's God's people, isn't it? Look over at Acts 22. Hold on to Philippians. I, try to, I don't know if you've ever looked at this stuff and tried to figure out what he's talking about. What he's talking about is Jewishness. Acts 22, 3. Paul says here, uh, he's, talk, he's talking to the Jews, Acts 22. He says, verse 1, Men, brethren, and fathers, hear ye my defense which I make now unto you. Verse 3, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye all are this day. Do you think he, he had it down, didn't he? He, knew, he understood the law. By the way, it's, it's only Paul that says, Galatians, uncircumcision availeth nothing. Circumcision availeth nothing. You see? I think when Peter read Galatians, he went, uh-oh. That's going to be hard for us to understand. <laughs> Let's pay attention. You know, how, how didn't, anyway, go back to Philippians 3. Stick something in Acts there for just a minute. But He's uh, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. He's God's people. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Notice Benjamin, the youngest, the, the, the son that was the dearest to Jacob's heart, Israel's heart. Benjamin is said, to, is said to be where the temple was to reside, was in the tribe of Benjamin, their side of the line. That's a special tribe. He doesn't say Judah, which is usually where everybody goes. He says Benjamin. I'm of that special group. A Hebrew of the Hebrews. He enjoys every advantage of being a Hebrew. He says in Galatians 1 there, I was above my, I profited in the Jews' religion, above my, there was no one higher up the money line than me. I was beating them two to one. He, had, he, he was an example of what a Hebrew was to be. When he goes in to get the letters to go down to Damascus there in Acts 9, and he walks into the chief priest, he didn't have to check in at the secretary. He could just knock and come on in. He had intimate access. Why? Because he was the poster child of a Hebrew of a Hebrew. That's what he's talking about. When you looked at me, you saw what it was to be a Hebrew. I was that perfect picture as touching the law. A what? A Pharisee. Now, go back. I told you to hold Acts, right? I didn't, but you did. Acts 26. Notice something about the Pharisees. 
It's touching the law of Pharisee. It's in his view of the law, he held the strictest reading of it. Look at Acts 26 and look at verse 5. Acts 26, 5. Which knew, talking about known of all the Jews there, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Isn't that amazing? A Pharisee was a Bible believer. He believed the law, but he did what? He followed every little jot and tittle of it. And you know what he never said? Yeah, but what if? But what about? He didn't say that. When that verse said, thou shalt not covet, guess what? He didn't covet. But it comes up, doesn't it? So keep go back to Philippians 3. Look at verse 6. Concerning zeal. Persecuting the church. Now, that's the little flock. When he says concerning zeal, he practiced what he preached. When that little flock got to talking, when old Peter got to talking about, you guys killed the Messiah. Old Saul of Tarsus goes back and says, well, wait a minute. The Messiah, he gets to digging in. And he goes, no, 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 no. Jesus was not the Messiah. And I'm going to get you. I'm practicing what I'm preaching. And off he goes. But yet, look at this. Touching the law. I'm sorry, touching the righteousness which is in the law. What? Blameless. Notice it doesn't say faultless. Because when he said, thou shalt not covet, that's what the book says, yet there were times when, he, and in his old life, guess what he did do? Covet. If you're climbing the corporate ladder, you're coveting the next spot above you. But what did he do, though? What was the prescription for covetousness? The law, whatever the law said, guess what he did? He went and did that to take care of it and to cover it. When he messed up, he fixed it. He did it all. Even when he broke it, what, is, what does he later say? You offended one point, you've offended in it all. See, here's a guy. Now, let me ask you something. Was Saul of Tarsus a saved man? Not justified in Israel's program, nor in the, the new one coming yet. <laughs> what was he? He's an apostate Israelite. And yet, what did he do? He delighted in the law of God. See that? So when you come to, well, go back to Romans. On your way to 7, stop in 10. You see, folks, by the way, Philippians 3, I didn't finish. Doggone it, we got to finish that. Well, look at Romans 10. Just look here at Romans 10. I was thinking ahead of and I good thing I had notes this morning or we'd have been done 10 minutes ago. Just kidding. <laughs> Look at Romans 10. You see folks, Roman or Philippians 3 there down to verse 6 is all a big is all a boast. Okay? A brag. But it's what possessed Paul and you know what? He loved it. He enjoyed it. He he relished in it, but there was a problem with it. 
And it wasn't until Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, where he's converted, does he begin to understand that, wait a minute, we got us a problem here. Look at Romans 10, look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and, and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. What's the problem? They loved the law more than they loved God. That was Saul of Tarsus. He loved the law more than he loved God. Verse, five, verse 4, For Christ is the end of the law for, the, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You see, the problem in Israel, now go back to Philippians 3. Let's finish up this because we, we didn't get to the good parts. The problem in Israel was what? They loved the law more than they loved God. That's where Paul, Saul of Tarsus is here, verse 4, 5, and 6. Now watch verse 7, 3, 7, Philippians 3, 7. But, that, but, what, but what things were, notice that word, gain to me, gain all the advantages I thought I had in that religious system, in that law system. He had the good life. He could just walk in and not have to have an appointment on the schedule. He could do, he could come and go. You know what? He would say, can't get any better than this in that old system. Yet, what, did, what are we learning in Romans 7? What did Paul learn? That sin takes the occasion, and what did it do? It deceived me, and it slew me. And I ended up in the old wretched man that I am who can deliver me from this death. The answer to that question is verse 25 there. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Someone did something for me. Someone did something that to me. Not for me, not, not only for me, but now to me. So verse 8, 3, 8. Yet doubtless, and I count all things but law. Notice the, the word count. He says there in verse 7, though, uh, were gained to me those I, what? Counted loss. For who? For Christ. There it is. There's the person. Not a thing, not a system, but a person. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss. Man, count, you know what he thought he had? He thought he had the advantage under the law. When he got converted, then, then the grace operating system is instilled in him, just as it is for you and I. Think about you. Not, not the, you know, some of you come out of a religious background before you were saved. You were up there doing. I know people who, I, anyway, I know a gentleman, he was on his way to be a priesthood, to be a priest in the Roman Catholic Church until he met his wife. And he chose her over Mother Church. <laughs> and Good choice is right. He, he even agrees to that. But the thing is, is he was headed that way. He thought he was living the good life. Paul says, I count all that good life as what? Loss. But why? Finish 8. 
for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's Romans 8. That's what we're going to learn in Romans 8. The excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Notice how Paul got away from the I, 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 I. Back there in Romans 7, it was all about I and me and myself. Some 19 times he uses that I, me, my. And now he's going to go over, actually it's not 19 times, it's 47 times. Now he says, now I'm, let's talk about a person. Let's talk about him. I counted it all for loss that I can do what? Gain. But gain what this time? the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord, for which I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what he says? I don't want to be found in that system over there anymore. I want to be found in the new system, in the grace system. I want to be found in Christ. And boy, what a great place to be found in is in Him, not that other stuff. Verse 10, that I may know Him. I want to be found in Christ so that I can know Him. You know why? Because Romans 7, Paul knows something about himself. That makeup. And he says, I know myself. And you know what I know? In me, there's no good thing. In me, there's re resident evil, sin. But you know what I want to do? I want to go know him. So when you come back to Romans 7, as we kind of end the chapter here and get over in a little bit, this issue about the inward man. You see, verse 22 is not a brag. Oh, man, I'm delighting in the law of God. Really, that's the, that's the Ten Commandments. <laughs> That's the Mosaic law over there. That's the principle, the if and the then principle. And, and he says, I don't want that. I want to know my, the answer to it. I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So Paul here, and by the way, Romans 8, guess what we get to do? We get to go know him don't we? Look at Romans 8. Coming out of 7, he says, who's going to deliver me? Right? Romans 8, verse 1. There is, there, now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Who's going to deliver me now? Well, I thank God of who I am in Christ, but he's that's a good deal, but now he's going to use somebody else, too. And he's going to now introduce to us the Holy Spirit. We're going to go now at that, that end of that verse there in verse 6 in chapter 7, and now we're going to look at the serving in the newness of the Spirit. You see, 7 finished out the oldness of the letter. We don't want that. Stay out of that. It's, it's heartache. It's frustration. Get out, stay out of that law principle. Let's go live under the grace principle over here because the, the, my identity in Christ has made me dead to sin and uh, dead to the law, but it's made me alive unto God, alive through Christ, and now alive in the power source of the Holy Spirit.
spirit because now I'm going to learn that I'm dead to the flesh. And he says, I got you a new law to look at. I got a new law for you to understand. Look back at 725, just real quick. Do you guys follow what's happening here? 725, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, period, right? You got a period there, right? Okay, make sure I didn't make one there. <laughs> so then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. Now, is that a problem? The answer is yes. That's the old, that's the law system. But with the flesh, the law of sin. So if I'm sit here and here, I'm in trouble, aren't I? Now watch 8.2. How, how in the world can Paul delight in the law of God when we are dead to the law? I don't know if you've ever thought about that. He says, I have a new law for you to follow. Look, verse 2, 8.2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Nineteen times he's going to now reference the Holy Spirit. And he's introducing to us a new law. And the new law that he's introducing to us is for our benefit and for our advantage. And it's the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Okay? Now come over to Galatians. Before we go to Galatians 5... In 7.23, he says, there's a law in my members. They're warring against the law of my mind. There's a war that's going to take place within your members. Now go over to Galatians 5. All right? There's a struggle. And that's that battle in Romans 7. He says, hey, I want to do good. I can't do good. And when I don't do good, I do bad. You know, and back in all that frustration that we read in last week in 15, 16, 17. But notice something in Galatians 5. Because there's something wonderful here. Galatians 5, verse 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. You think that's a war? That verse is a great description of Romans 7. But I want you to notice something. Well, verse 18. But if you are led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Do you see that word Spirit as a capital S? Who's he, who is that? <laughs> That's not you, your Spirit. That's who? The Holy Spirit. You and I have a new source we have, uh, we have someone new on the scene that pushes us out of the picture. Who's doing the warring in, in Galatians 5? You or the Spirit? Read those verses carefully. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. There's Romans 6. And, I, and you shall not fulfill the law. For the flesh lust is against you. Verse 17. The flesh lust is against you. Against who? Which spirit? Isn't that interesting? You see who's doing the fighting for you now? Isn't you? It's the Holy Spirit. 
The Spirit is now actively involved in your life. And the newness of the Spirit, that new power source that's been given to you and I, we're going to learn now in Romans 8 that guess what? It isn't you, this guy, that's doing the fighting, doing the battling, doing the warring. It's the Holy Spirit. Do you think he can win or lose? I think he's going to win. Now, we'll learn in Romans 8, you've got to get out of the way. You've got to get yourself out of the way. That's why in 8.14 he says, if you are led by the Spirit. Okay. That's why in verse 16 he says, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is... So if you want to see what the flesh looks like in your life, verse 19, 20, and 21 will tell you. But if you want to see what it is to walk in the, what the result of walking in the Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit being filled with the Spirit, we'd study in that next hour, looks like. You know what you're going to have? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no, isn't that interesting, no law. By the way, verse 18, if you, but if ye be, what, led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to live, to, the Holy Spirit will never lead you to delight in the law of God. See, that's why it's a bad thing. It's not a brag, it's not an attaboy, it's a no, no, stay away from that old system. Let's get over here in the. New system. I hope you see that. Because what happens is, is when we begin, we'll go back there to Romans 7, when we begin to feel that warring going on in our members, what do we naturally want to do? Fight. Strive, do. Strive's a great word. Do it. And Paul says, Grace says, no, you dummy. <laughs> you thick-headed imbecile. Sit down. Let me go to battle for you. Let me go. Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter 6. Oh, man, this is so fun. You don't know how, if you can grasp what Paul is teaching us here, and this is our identity, how liberating this can be for you in your Christian life. Because you got to get out of the way. If you are led by the Spirit, you get. how does the Spirit lead you? By His Word, right? Word working in you that belief. If you can let that Word get into your inner man, three chapters a day, eight chapters, whatever you read, put that in your, you're not studying it, you're reading it. Right? Unless you're me, and then you're, you're two minutes in, and you're eight hours later going, man, I only got one verse. <laughs> I'm in trouble. Right? You put that in there, and then when things come up in life, what does the Spirit do? The Holy Spirit... He strengthens the inner man, Ephesians 3.16. He reaches over, grabs that verse, energizes it, brings it in, and makes it livable, alive in your life. He has to do that. You can't because you mess it up. But what's our natural tendency to do? do Here, we'll help you out, Lord. <laughs> Look at Ephesians 6 and verse, well, it helps to be in a few, uh, <clears throat> in the armor. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. See what the Spirit's using? 
He's going to wield and well and do what? And it's the sword of the Spirit. In your life, what we're getting at in Romans 7, when you go to war, usually you go to battle with a weapon, don't you? But what is the weapon? The sword of the Spirit. What's that? The Word of God. Okay? So in Romans 7, when he comes down through and he says, hey, I, you know, I, I delight in my inward word. I got this war going on. I got the law with, the, with uh, my mind. I'm serving the law of God. But with the fl- all this stuff, none of that's good. Because you're op- I'm op- Paul says, I'm operating under the wrong principles. I need to be operating under the grace principle, the free gift, where God says, I have done everything for you. There's nothing for you to do. But believe me, okay, rest in what I've done for you. So what's the next, the natural thing is, okay, how, what is that about? That's Romans 8. Here it is. And in Romans 8, we're going to learn that we're dead to the flesh. We're going to learn that we have a sonship status, an adult status. We're going to learn all of this stuff. And in the conclusion of it is, is no matter what comes your way, nothing can separate you from who you are in Christ, from the love of God. See? And we'll walk down through that. We'll, we'll start in Romans 8 next time. But you've got to catch what he's doing here at the end. People, usually what, you know what happens? People read verse 24 and go right to 8. <laughs> and they skip it because you go, what in the world? He's describing what it is to live under the oldness of the letter, of that law. And you know what it is? It's frustration. It's defeat. It's discouragement. And you get in it, and then you, at the end, you know, what you, say, you know what discouragement says? I quit. I'm done. This is stupid. It's not working. Why isn't it working? And you know what happens? The Holy Spirit's sitting down here going, I'm right here. Just get out of my way, and I'll, let me go to work. That's why he says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. You've got to get out of the way. You've got to let him lead. How's he going to lead you? By the, some of you with the ring in your nose, like a bull. <laughs> that's not leading. That's dragging. No, he uses the Word of God resident in you to produce what the life that is desired to be produced. Okay? All right. Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word and thank you for the instructions here and for all that we have in your Son. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.